This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. We're not going to do a lot of preliminaries this morning because we have a place that we need to get to. And so we're just going to go and just just dive into this word. Amen. Amen. The uh, objective of this lesson, remember we are, we are still teaching on uh, our premarital, doing our premarital class um, under the umbrella of the broader topic of are you ready for marriage? Are we ready for marriage? And then I have a specific topic that I am, subtopic that I am doing, and that is are you ready to be committed to the covenant? And so this goal and objectives, pretty much the same um, of this teaching, is that we want to explain. I want to be sure that you understand commitment, what commitment really means, what it is, what it means, and the seriousness of covenant. That's what the objective is, that's what the goal is, and that is what we're striving to do, is to help you understand what commitment is, a full definition, a full mean, the full meaning of what commitment is and how it relates to covenant, so that we can understand if we are really committed and ready to commit to covenant and to the, the covenant relationship. Uh, in marriage. And so we gave the definition, always given the definition of marriage, and that is that marriage is a divine institution. Divine means it's of God. It's a divine institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again choose to enter into a covenant relationship with another imperfect person for a lifetime. And those words, we always tell you, words have meaning. And word, we cannot, don't overlook the even the very small word. When it says into, when it says and, when it says a, when it says the, those words are just as important as the other. All of it connects and all of it goes together. So we need to understand that words have meaning. So we can't glance over them. That's why I always try to overemphasize certain words so that we can understand that, that as we can catch it. The more that we hear them, the more that it gets down in us. Amen. So we gave an introduction last week and I just wanted to, to uh, put us in the mindset, in the mind frame of why God chose the man and the wife, the only earthly relationship, the relationship between a man and a wife, why he chose that particular relationship to reflect his, uh, uh, his relationship or his, yeah, his relationship with man. His, the Jesus' relationship with the church. Why did he choose that particular one? So we said that number one is because there's only two. He didn't choose any other relationship because those are, have multiple people tied to it. But for in a marriage relationship, there's only two. There's only two. So, you know, sometimes you got to go there. Hopefully not with Christian. Well, no, because I've heard of Christian doing the same thing. But when, they, when, you're, when your spouse asks you for a, a threesome, ask you to add somebody to the relationship is two. Okay? That is not godly at all. And I said, you know, you would think that the world would do some, some silliness like that, but I've heard of and I've known. I've known Christian 
supposedly Christian relationships that have done the same thing. There's that. So then, so only two involved because, second, because the roles and the responsibilities of each person, because of the roles and responsibilities of each person in a marital covenant, that's the reason why God chose that particular relationship. Because of the roles, because of the headship. It mirrors, it, it's the same as, as the church, similar to. Uh, uh, the relationship that Jesus has with the church. Jesus is the head just like the man is the head. The church is to submit just like the woman is to submit and yield herself to, uh, to that, that headship. So those are the kinds of things, th- those roles, the responsibilities of caring for, of nurturing, of, of, of keeping the relationship. We said that that's the responsibility of both parties, the man and the woman, to do those things just like in our relationship with Christ. It is, he does his his part in, in nurturing the relationship with man. He does his part in caring and keeping the relationship. He does his part in trying to help us to keep that relationship. And then it's our responsibility to make sure that we're following him so that we can. Remember we said that he tells us to get rid of people in our lives. So, you know, not necessarily get rid of them, but not bring them as close. And sometimes we have to get rid of some people so that we can protect the relationship that we have with God. We can protect the relationship that we have with Jesus. Sometimes it becomes necessary. We said that you cannot allow anyone. Remember, I told you, in in everything that we're teaching, remember to keep at the very forefront of your mind the marital relationship between a man and a wife and the relationship between Jesus and the church. Because this is how we're endeavoring to show that part of how we're endeavoring to show that commitment that is supposed to be in covenant because Jesus did it first, preeminent. Preeminent, And again, it's the same thing with the man and, and the wife. Men, you are supposed to be preeminent in showing that commitment. Preeminent in showing that love. You're just like Jesus is with the church. Listen, remember, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Men, guess what? When you love your wife, When you love your wife, you're setting yourself up for a good thing. Trust that. When you love your wife, you are setting yourself up for a good thing. Because as long as a woman knows and trusts that her husband loves her, she will do anything she can. Listen, you better talk to some of these folks that are unmarried. Man, this is for the unmarried. Yes, this is for the unmarried. Anybody can glean from it, but this is for the unmarried. I want you to go and I want you to talk to some of these married men who love their wives. And find out what kind of goodness they got. Find out. Talk to them. Ask them. And see that you get an earful. That's the, that's, and that's what you, that's what you want because, you know, God's word never fails. God's word, God, if you do things God's way, if you do, if you commit to doing things God's way, you will reap the benefits. It's tied in. You, it, it will just happen. It will just happen. And you won't have to work as hard if you do things God's way. See, when you don't do things God's way, then that's when we, that's when we cause ourselves so much trouble and so much heartache. And that's why we gotta work. That's why we gotta work hard. We work harder 
when we try to do things our way versus working easier doing things God's way. And we don't see that. We don't see it. But it's the truth. It is so true. It is so true. So that two, um, two only two people involved because of the roles and the responsibilities, because of the level of intimacy. That was number three. Because of the level of intimacy, because of the closeness. We said, you know, I remember that I told you, all that reminds me of that song of, Oh, how he walks with me. Oh, how he talks with me. Oh, how he tells me I am his own. We said that intimacy in your relationship, that God knows me from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. He knows me with the spirit of the living God. It discerns the heart and the meanings and the, the motives of the heart. That's how relate. That's how closely, that's how intimate that we are with God. When, when we have that relationship and that fellowship with him. We said it's the same thing with the husband and the wife. The husband and the wife should have such an intimacy. You should know each other's weaknesses. You should know each other's strengths. You should know how to be there to comfort one another. How to encourage one another. How to correct one another. You should be there to be able. You should know. You should, that, that's how close that you need to be. You are mine. I am yours. We are each other. We are all we got. We are all we got. That is the, that is the type of closeness. In the, in, I said that when, you, when somebody sees you, they should see your spouse. When they see you, they should think of your spouse. That's how close. That's how intimate. That's how one you should be. Just like we should be with Christ. We are in him. He is in us. We are one. We talked about that, that level of intimacy. We talked about because of the purpose. Another reason. Because of the purpose of the marital relationship and in the family. And that is to be workers together to produce godly seeds. Just like we are workers together with Christ to help produce disciples, to help, to help bring people to Christ, to help produce disciples in the church. We are workers together. One plants, one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Just as that relationship is and that, 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 uh, kind of, 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 of working together. It's the same thing with the husband and the wife. You are workers together to help produce, to help bring up, to help nurture, to help cultivate, to help uh, 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 raise a godly seed and godly season. That is, is the reason, the other reason why God chose that relationship. And then we said last, which is going to bring us into our new information. Lastly, that, that fifth thing is that in order to fulfill the roles and the responsibilities in marriage and to keep that covenant, that there must be commitment. And there is no greater commitment in a relationship, in an earthly relationship. There is no greater commitment than the commitment of a husband and a wife. That in that covenant relationship, there is none greater, no greater, no greater covenant than that. And so the concept of commitment is embedded and it is rooted in our in our definition of marriage and today we're going to see that it is also rooted and grounded in the vows. We said those are two different things. We saw the marriage, the definition of marriage, we've already given that, but then we're going to look closely at the vows. We're going to look closely at the vows and I don't see my couple here. They only got five, six days. They only got five or six days. They should have been in here today, but okay, well, so vows because because they're not really going to hear them. They're not really you know when you stand you don't you say you repeat you repeat what the what the minister or the officiant says you repeat it but you're 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 really not you're not really comprehending you're really not 
because of the day, because of the things that are going on. And I really wish they would have been in here today so they could hear these, I mean, really hear them. Really hear them. But that's neither here nor there. They'll hear them one way or the other. They, they go him soon. They go him. Uh, so the idea of covenant, where did it come from? What does it mean? The concept of covenant is God's plan. If you think about, if you think about your natural self, if you think about yourself before Christ, think about yourself before Christ. Covenant when we talk about covenant, we're going to see, hear, hear, see the meaning of it. But when we talk about covenant, that is not something that you would have thought of. That is not something that you would have agreed to. Okay? So the scripture is filled with covenants. And these covenants, the scripture is filled with covenants. And we're going to see there are a lot of different covenants that are in the Bible. They're filled with covenants. And the covenants provide a unified, it provides a unified principle, unified principle for understanding the scriptures as a whole and to understand the relationship between God and man. Covenants. It provides a unified principle for understanding just the scriptures, period, because this is all about covenant. This is all about an agreement. This is all about promises, God's promises to man, God's way of redeeming man, how he said that he was going to bring man back. That's a covenant. And how he was going to do it. All of that is covenant-related. All of it is covenant related. So we're going to see that the foundation, and the foundation of that relationship between God and man is I will be their God and they will be my people. That's in general. I will be their God and they will be my people. And that's for all. That's for Jews. That's for Gentiles. That's for all. The commitment God has to keeping his covenant. Listen to this. The commitment that God has to keeping his covenant with men, it goes beyond the life and the years of men. Ooh, you got to catch that. Catch that. The commitment that God has to the covenant with men, it goes beyond their life and their years. That's deep. That's deep. Okay? Again, listen to this. And our pastor said it. She said, I feel like in my mind, I'm still married. Not that she would be wrong to remarry because it's scriptural and she can if she wanted to. But what did I say? That God's commitment, it goes beyond the life and the years of men. So in her mind, in her mind, she's still married. Is that wrong? No. What? It's following the path of Jesus, of Christ. Okay? Just throwing it up. Again, what did I say? Throughout this, all this teaching, whatever I say uh, that relates to Jesus and the church, 
I want you to relate it. That's the whole point. Why? Because the relationship between man and wife is supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. This is, this is getting you to understand the seriousness. That's a part of helping you to understand the seriousness of covenant. So always keep that at the forefront of your mind. Turn to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Genesis 17 verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. This is God talking to, his name is Abram at, the, at this time. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. An everlasting covenant. He said that he would establish it with Abram, with his seed. It would be an everlasting covenant. Abram, him, is dead. Long gone. But the covenant that God established with him, it continues. It has gone beyond the life and the years of Abraham. That's just one example. That's just one example. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And let's read, um, just, I just want one verse here. Galatians 3 and 16. Now to Abraham, 3 and 16, yes. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He hath said not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Covenants, promises, Vows, they transcend time and they transcend laws. They transcend time and they transcend laws. Verse 17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before, before of God in Christ, the law, when it came, which was 430 years after cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. A covenant, that's how serious it is. A covenant, it transcends time and it transcends laws. The covenant that God created and established for a marital relationship between man and wife, it transcends even, even the laws of the land that allows for same-sex marriages. Okay? The covenants that God has established, it transcends time and it transcends laws. 
We're talking about the seriousness of covenant. That's how serious it is. <laughs> because we already know. God had already established. Remember when Jesus walked the earth and they were talking about the uh, giving of the, um, the taxes. And he said, what did Jesus say? He said, Do, look, pay the taxes. It's the law of the land. You need to obey the laws of the land. That's what he said. But his covenants and what he's established, it transcends those laws. We're talking about people who are born again. And that's why, now listen, anybody can get married. But notice, because I said that, this, that marriage is God's covenant. Notice that in, even, even when non-believers, even when people in the world get married, and I don't care if you go to the justice of the peace, I don't care if you go to a, a, a pastor, an officiant, they never leave out God. Even when you go to the justice of the peace. Even when you go to, there's always, there's a, always a part, a piece in there. And at the declaration, we're going to see that there's a difference between the declaration, there's a declaration of intent, and there's the, the, the vows. Those are two different things. See, some of you didn't even know that. And, and some of you even said it. You said it, but you didn't even realize it. There's a declaration of intent. And then there are the vows. Two different things at the marriage ceremony. But even at the justice of the peace, they always say God, under God, in God. Uh, 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 there's always a peace. And if you go and look it up, there's always a peace. Because, why? Because it cannot be denied. You know what? People try to do whatever they want to do. But that people cannot deny that there is a God. They can't deny that. God and marriage is God's covenant. So anybody can get married. It does not disannul. It does not change the fact that it is, even if they're unbelievers, it does not change the fact that marriage is a covenant that God established. Now, if they operate under uh, under the, the, the vows and the guidelines, that's another different. That's a different story. But it still does not negate the fact that it is God's institution. It is God's purpose. It is God's idea. It is His plan. It's His plan. So all covenants, and all covenants are not created equally. Listen, all covenants are not created equally, but all covenants carry the same weight. They're not created equally, but they all carry the same weight and they have the same implication if it is violated. And that is sin. Okay? Understanding the covenant. What is a covenant? What is a covenant? A covenant is an oath-bound promise. It's an oath-bound promise whereby one party solemnly pledges to bless or serve another party in some specified way. Remember I said that covenant and commitment to covenant 
is individual first. It's individual first. A person has to be committed first. They have to be committed first. You can't commit yourself. Listen, you can't commit yourself to someone else unless you are first committed. (laughs) You can't commit yourself to someone else in a marital covenant if you are not first committed. Boy, that don't sound right. Well, listen, here we go. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. A covenant is an oath-bound promise whereby one party solemnly pledges to bless or serve another party in some specified way. That's individual. Another piece of covenant, another portion of that definition. It is an agreement made. So you have a promise that's individual and you have an agreement. An agreement has to be between two or more people. Okay, So a covenant is also, can also be an agreement made between two parties, binding them mutually to some agreed upon obligations and benefits. That's what marriage is. An agreement made between two parties, binding them mutually to some agreed upon obligations and benefits. It's a mutual agreement. But before you have this mutual agreement, you first have to have this covenant. You have to have this promise whereby you solemnly pledge to bless and serve another party in some specified way. So a covenant, as it relates to marriage, it includes both. It includes both. A covenant can be unilateral. Unilateral meaning it's one-sided. One person, that's only one party, is bound by the agreement and it's unconditional. This type of covenant, that type of covenant, unilateral covenant, is usually God making a promise of blessing or service to man without any obligation or action from man. And there are covenants in the Bible that are just that, where God has made the agreement. It is unconditional. It's a promise that he is making to man and it does not, it does not pertain, it has nothing to do with man. It has nothing to do with man's obligation or with man's action. There are some covenants in the Bible like that. Then there are covenants in the Bible that are bilateral. Bilateral, that means that it's two-sided. Both parties are obligated. Both parties are obligated, such as in the covenant of marriage, that even in a bilateral covenant, the commitment to the covenant is still individual. Because it's your promise. You said those vows. And when you said those vows, that was your solemn promise and pledge to bless and serve 
another person in a specified way. Your vows. Turn to Hosea. So we're going to see. God established and God created and established the concept of covenant. And to go against what he has established is sin. And we're going to see the first covenant established by God was established with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Let's turn to Hosea chapter 6 first. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. But let's go to Hosea chapter 6 first. And we're going to see, just to solidify what I just said. Chapter 6, verse 6, and the scripture reads, For I desired mercy. Oh, is that it? 6, 6, and 7. Yes. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have... There have they dealt treacherously against me. So we're talking about the covenant of marriage. They dealt treacherously against me. We're talking about, remember we said that with God, uh, God, Jesus is the husband and the bride is the church, right? So here we're talking about God and his people. But they like men have transgressed the covenant. There have, uh, there have they dealt treacherously against me. Look at this in verse, in, in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Do you remember uh, how the scripture in, in Malachi says how uh, man dealt treacherously with his wife, the wife of his youth, right? Okay. So here in Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 15. And the scripture reads, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree, of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but all of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So here, he said, this, this was the covenant that God made. See, listen. God established this covenant with man in his state of innocence. He already told him, this is what's going to happen. We put you in the Garden of Eden. You dress it, you keep it. You can eat freely from any tree, but of the tree of the, good, of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. He said, what? If you eat, he gave him, if you eat of it, you shall surely die the day that you eat. He gave him that covenant. That was the covenant. So that was an agreement he made between him and man. He was going to give him everlasting life unless he... To have obligations, he would give him everlasting life. That was the obligation. That was the benefit that God was giving man. But man had to do something. He had to obey. He had to obey in order to get the benefits. And God would get that benefit as well. But he had to do what God commanded him to do in order to reap the benefits of the covenant. But we know that man broke the covenant. He broke the agreement. 
So the consequence of breaking the covenant was the curse that in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That was the consequence. So we see that there is, we see here the importance of maintaining. We see the seriousness of maintaining a covenant. And it doesn't matter if it's your covenant with God, which you have, you have to see, we're going to see, that your covenant with God is always first. That's what I meant by you can't commit to somebody else until you first commit to God. You have to commit to the covenant. You have to commit to the vows. Before you can commit though that same uh, covenant, before you can carry out that covenant with men, you have to first be committed to God. Because otherwise, you will not keep a commitment. Remember we said that how unbelievers, you know, although, yes, they they can get married, it's still under the marital covenant, under what God created. We don't expect for them to be able to keep the vows. There's no expectation. But when believers get married, there is an expectation. Why? Because I first committed... To God. I am a believer. I've committed to God and His ways. I've committed to Him. I've committed to loving Him because He first loved me. And because I love Him, I'm going to keep His commandments. And whatever He has commanded, I don't care what, what He's commanded, if it's a commandment in marriage, if it's a commandment in, with church, if it's a commandment with with people, whatever the commandments are, because I love him, I'm going to keep his commandments. That's why our commitment to God must be first in order to have any, what's the word I'm looking for? In order to be able Bottom line, in order to be able to keep a commitment to another person, you have to be committed to God first. A covenant, listen, I love this. A covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties involved. A covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties involved. Integrity, remember, especially those who are in, in, in AMC. Remember what integrity is. Integrity is a constant and consistent commitment. Integrity. It is a constant and a consistent commitment and adherence to what you say you believe. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation. It's a constant and a consistent commitment and adherence to what you say you believe. No sense in getting married if you don't believe in the marriage vows. Oh, come on, somebody. I just want to be married. But, you know, that submission thing, you know, we're going to have to talk about that. Mm-mm. We already said that's a part of, that is a part of your commitment. 
So if if you don't want that, listen. If you don't want that peace, remember I told you that God's institution will not will not. You could you could possibly have a good relationship or a good marriage. Possibly, I don't think so. You could, but I don't think so. But there is definitely it will not be a godly one. And I'm telling you, if, if submission is your hang up, you won't even have a good one. There's going to be trouble in that relationship all the days. Because everybody's going to be trying to be, everybody's going to try to be the head. Everybody's going to try to be the head. And where, like I found the pastor used to say what? When, when there's two heads, it's what? A monster. Anything with two heads is a monster. And that's exactly what it's going to be all the days. Somebody's going to have to submit so if you don't want that, guess what? Okay. More importantly than the type of covenant is the content of the covenant. More important than the type is the content. I said that there are two things in, these, in, in the marriage ceremony. There's the declaration of intent. What is that declaration? You've heard the words. Those of you who are married, you said the words. The minister, the officiant, he says... Do you, and he says your name, will you take such and such, and he says her name, to be your wife? And will you be faithful to her, love her, live with her, cherish her, according to the commandments of God in holy marriage as long as you both shall live? Now, there are some, you know, there are different versions of this. But they say basically the same things. And then you don't repeat that, right? That's the part you don't repeat. But what do you say? You have to give a response. I will, I do. Okay. One or the other. They'll tell you I will, some of you, and some of them say I do. That's the declaration of intent. This is my intent. I'm going to take this wife to live with her, cherish her by God's standards. That's my declaration of intent for this ceremony. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here. Declaration of intent. So that's one thing. And remember, that, he doesn't have you repeat. He just asks you to respond. Okay? Then there are the vows. The vows are what you repeat after the officiant. And some of you are looking like, oh, yeah, that did happen. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, I do remember that. Yes. Then there were the vows. That's the part that you did repeat. Remember the vows, that is the covenant. See, it's a declaration, that's an intent, and that's good. It's for the ceremony, that's why we're here. We're just establishing why we're here. But now we get to the vows. This is what I'm saying out of my own mouth. This is what I'm pledging. Okay, this is where it gets serious. You can declare anything. But when you say stuff out of your mouth, Specific words. I remember what I said. I said that the covenant is an oath bound. And it's a pledge that you are pledge you are saying something that will benefit to serve and to benefit another. Promises. Promises that you make. <laughs> These are promises. And you know the scripture tells us that, you know, it is better to do whatever than to vow something, to say something, and you not follow through with it. 
That's how serious. It is better to have something tied around your neck than to make a vow and not keep it. That's the seriousness. Are you ready to be committed to the covenant of marriage? Are you ready? Because once you make a vow, once you make a vow, it's a vow before God and it's a vow to another. And God's expectation is that you're going to keep it. Just like he keeps his covenants and his vows with us. (laughs) It's an expectation that you're going to keep it. That's what he expects. So, the vows. And the officiant asks that you repeat after them. I, and he says, state your name. You know, I've heard, I've been in, I've been in marriage, and he said, they said just that. Right, because remember what I said. You're not even thinking. You're not, I, and they said just, I, state your name. No, no, you're supposed to state your name. But they're not thinking. They, because, and that's why I said, it's important that you know these vows. And, and that's why it's good to go into mar- premarital counsel because a good, a good officiant, a good uh, a pastor, they're going to go over these vows. They're going to say these vows to you when, when you're able to think straight. Okay? See, you've got to be able to think straight when you hear these vows. Premoral agent. You've got to be reasonable. You've got to be, you got, you have to be able to choose wisely. Okay? You've got to be able to choose without any pressure. So you need to think about these vows beforehand. I state your name. Take you. You state her name. You state his name. To be my lawful wedding. And again, there are different variations of this, but it says basically the same thing. To be my lawful wedded wife. To have and to hold. To have. I'm going to have you. I'm not going to throw you away. I'm going to keep you. To have and to hold. From this day forward, from this day forward, from this day forward, all the days in between, from this day forward, not skipping no days, not throwing away days, not getting rid of days, from this day forward, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse. Covenant, I pledge. This is my pledge, for better or for worse. Oh, think about it. For richer or for poor. When we have a lot of money, when we don't have no money. When we have a little money. For richer or for poor. In sickness and in health. You have a sickness. That causes you, or you have a sickness, you have a disease, you have um, an accident that causes me to have to care for you. You have an accident, or a sickness, or a disease 
that causes us not to be able to have sexual intercourse. Mm, Come on now. From this day forward, from this day forward, to love and to cherish, to love, We're talking about the love of God, Jesus and the church. To love, that's unconditional. To love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. Forsaking all others. We're not going to let anything come between this union. Forsaking all others. We're not going to let anything, we're not going to let anyone come between this union. Just like Jesus doesn't allow anything to come between the union between him and the church. We have a oneness from this day forward. From this day forward. I don't care how upset I get with you. You don't do things my way. I don't like the way you do things. Still to love and to cherish. I'm out of time. I know y'all looking like, oh, really? Yeah. It's serious. Very serious. And we're going to continue next week. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.